0: Doctor, I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifer in the constellation of Casterbureth. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am a
1: Doctor. I'm a Doctor. But probably not the one looks better. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will.
0: Where do you want to start?
1: Hi everyone, welcome back uh, to Big on the Inside. Today we're going to be talking about the second episode of Series 1 of New Doctor Who. Harry, what's it called?
0: It is called The End of the World.
1: No, it's not. It's called The End of Time. you. (laughs) Wait, is it? Well, what's it called? No, it's coming to the world, isn't it's, it? It's
0: the end of the world. Tim. <laughs> the end of time is tenants' last story. Christ, Fake man!
1: If you listen to the last uh, the last episode, you'll know that I ended the episode, not remembering the name of the episode that we're about to listen to. Uh, the look on Harry's face, though, as he told me the name of the episode, was the look of someone who was purposely trying to con- convince me that the episode title was wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> And <laughs> but I like, was just like,
0: thinking. the end of the time, Like, are oh, we just gonna skip? We just gonna skip all of Russell D. Davis's era? Like,
1: we'll just imagine jump. someone
0: actually got that wrong in real life. Like, imagine they'd watch the first episode and they're like, oh great, I'll I'll tune to the second, and then they watch Tennant's last story. <laughs> That's so much.
1: They're like, who the heck are all these people?
0: Actually, <laughs> there's none of the same characters. None of the same characters are in either of those episodes.
1: Rose. Mickey. And Rose the and
0: Mickey appear, but only Mickey is now married to someone they've never seen before. Yes!
1: And... <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. Cool, so we're going to talk about the End of the World episode, episode two of series one of Doctor Who. Um, I only watched this last night. Um, it's first, it's uh, Yeah, it was an episode where I I thought, oh, I'll just put it on, but the fact that I now have to make notes for this um, I'd probably have to sit down and watch it. I did enjoy it. There's a few things that I thought were a bit strange about it. Um what did oh, you yeah. think?
0: I think it's definitely not as strong as an opener as Rose. I feel like I'm kind of glad that I watched them both less than a week between each other because they I think they work better as kind of a two-parter. They're both from Russell T. Davis and kind of this does kind of further reintroductions to the Doctor introduces the idea that he's a Time Lord, he's from a planet that's destroyed. Yeah. Um, and I feel like kind of that's the strongest stuff about the show and kind of how it um, fleshes out the relationship between Rose and the Doctor, the whole thing of her realising that she's travelled off with some stranger she barely knows. Yeah, because they have that argument, trauma.
1: don't they? They have an argument. I think that's the
0: best scene, that's the best yeah. scene in the episode, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: I think it's and really just good. just kind of
0: like yeah,
1: because so I think it really. Well, leads I kind of of said, yeah, last... Sorry, go on.
0: <laughs> no, I said this last time, but I'll say it again. That I think that just the chemistry between uh, Billy Piper and Chris Eccleston is is great. I think the way that Russell T. Davis has written them is very charming. Yeah. Um, especially stuff kind of like the po is it jiggery pokery jiggery pokery
1: jiggery pokery yeah.
0: yeah jiggery pokery, and the scene at the end about them just wanting chips. Yeah, just stuff like that just yeah. feels just very natural. Very, like, honestly, like one of the best pieces of acting f- for me is the bit where Rose is just like smells chips and she just wants chips. <laughs> like I really believe in that moment that she yeah. smells chips and wants Like I can smell the chips when she yes. smells the chips.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really like the start of this. I think it's a really good. Like okay, this is a show about time travel. They go to, like, three mm. destinations. Well, they supposedly go to three destinations straight away, yeah. and she's not impressed by any of them. She's like that. So he just takes her to the end of the world.
0: I find it, actually, is quite incredible how, kind of, obviously, they're not... Just kind of the idea, the notion that if they were to... St- you don't Even though you don't see it, the notion that if they were to step outside, they'd be in a completely different era of time. Yeah. it's a very exciting way to introduce time travel, you know, like, we're 100 years in the future, we're 10,000 years, new Roman Empire, Yeah, like, just kind of that anticipation for seeing what's outside, I mean, that's kind of obviously that's a quality that the show has always had, you know mm. that could, you could go anywhere and any when in
1: time and <laughs> <Yes>. space <laughs> No, I know what you mean, yeah, I think it does I believe I, I should have mentioned this in the last episode with, uh, with, we talking about the TARDIS, but I think this is the only time where we... The first time where we properly get to see it in action, um, Eccleston in the TARDIS. And I think, if I remember rightly, up to that point, it was the biggest TARDIS interior set that had been built. Uh,
0: Does that count the TV movie? Because I remember the TV
1: movie had a pretty elaborate one. It's quite big, but I don't know. Maybe just for TV, excluding the TV movie, as an actual series, I know it is to be the biggest.
0: One question I actually have about the TARDIS... um... Because obviously, like, just like, when you see it in the show, it seems like it's just that one room. Mm. Is there a toilet? Are there <laughs> beds?
1: Well, yeah, because isn't Tennant's TARDIS is the only TARDIS where... Sorry, Eccleston's TARDIS is the only TARDIS where we don't actually go into other rooms.
0: Now, I know there's like, in Tennant's first episode, that like, scenery has like that big wardrobe room. Yeah. But I'm not quite sure, how did he get there?
1: is that Yeah, a, I don't see any there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, I never thought of that. Yeah, maybe it's on the other side because we never see the camera facing the yeah, other way I in the status. It's behind the camera. It's
0: behind the <laughs> yeah. camera.
1: I love an episode We're where David, kind of... where one of them just points up the like, just out of shot of the camera and goes in a toilet just over there <laughs> next the to the, the supercar. Just
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you yeah, like mentions all this really cool stuff that we we can never see. <laughs>
0: I wonder what a bed, I wonder what
1: a tardis bed would look like. I know. I do wonder that. <laughs> I really liked the way they introduced all these new monsters. I think it was a really good way of saying because am I? I'm right in thinking there are no classic monsters in that episode when they walk through. They're all What's new. What's my monsters. knowledge now? No, so they're all new. No. I think it's a really good way of introducing new monsters because in the first episode you get the autons. With some elements of New Who. And in this episode, it's all just new monsters. And they come at you like that. They're just one after another as they walk through the door.
0: Yeah. And at first, kind of, I was a little worried just by some of these very goofy designs. You know, this blue guy on a chair. The
1: mocks of Balhoon.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, I can't remember who else. There were a lot of, like, the blue... Something about the blue makeup didn't work for me. On there were a lot of blue people in this episode, <laughs> and I don't know you could kind of tell it wasn't like it, you know it wasn't the most convincing blue makeup I've seen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So I was a little worried about that, but I think that kind of as a whole, these this assortment of goofy aliens kind of did more than just being a kiddie amount of aliens because it was a better way of introducing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: They seem to be all gathering, start talking, and kind of you see from Rose's perspective just how overwhelmed and far from home she is, surrounded yeah, by all these bizarre creatures. And mm. she even says something like, "I can't remember what she says." I
1: think she just goes, "They're alien. She, she you look like, at them, so and they're alien. Yeah, yeah, that's what she says. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a much yeah. better way of introducing new Doctor Who monsters than what we've seen recently. Yeah. Right to go. Here's in some. What, cl- it, in what in regard to Whitaker's first series, where every monster was a new monster, and, and I feel like it yeah, maybe...
0: Because...
1: Sorry. Oh.
0: No, no, you keep going.
1: Uh, sorry, I thought the Zoom call just closed. For anyone listening, uh, me and Harry do this by Zoom, and I think it's fair to say neither of us really know how Zoom works.
0: <laughs> no. No. I've so. A few my... Zoom calls with friends, and they've never they've never worked.
1: No, this one's only just about holding together. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a really good way of introducing new um, aliens. It's quite interesting as they're walking through. Apart from the face of Bo and Cassandra, you don't hear or see any of these monsters ever again.
0: No, but a lot of effort went into kind of design. Must have gone into designing. these. Like some of these kind of, they did look like. I, I, you know, I make fun of the blue-looking people, but everyone else. They're pretty top-quality designs. Yeah, definitely, like, yeah. Part of thinks that maybe the only reason they brought the face of Bo back is because so much effort went into designing <laughs> that character. Yeah, they are like, this, you know? this spent,
1: took so yeah. much money, we need to use it again.
0: But in that episode, he doesn't even talk. He's just in the background. Maybe he they mumbles just kind of at one point, yeah. Does he?
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: I guess they with the thought, we've designed this really cool thing. You yeah. need to make it worth something
1: and so they bring it back yeah that's quite interesting because when Cassandra returns and the face of Bo they both return in the same episode which is episode two of series one and episode two of series two if you count the Christmas Invasion as episode one yeah oh do
0: you count the Christmas
1: Invasion on Netflix it does (laughs) yeah so yeah but I know what you said with regards to how much money the face of Bo costs in this episode, there's 110 different um, VFX shots, and I think Arbor. a movie at the time, Gladiator, I think only had around 40. <laughs> wow! So I watched an interview. No. With... Sorry,
0: I'm um, no. You continue. You
1: I watched uh, Russell T. Davis do an interview where he said this episode cost far too much money and we needed to do it on the second episode because it sort of hooks people back into it. Almost, if people yeah. don't remember this episode, they may as well just not bother making the show.
0: You hear that a lot, that they don't... With a show, especially a show like Doctor Who, they don't split the budget equally between episodes. They kind of have to decide which episodes are going to be expensive and the effects intensive, and yeah. which ones are going to be cheaper and more intimate. And the interesting thing is, usually the cheaper episodes... are often the better ones.
1: Yeah, I know um, with Father's Day, that's the case, but we can get back, we can get to that when we get to that. But Yeah, I I,
0: I know something like, for example, um, I know that Blink in Series 3, that was a, the the reason that episode exists is because they had very little budget for it and they had to fit in with, and David Tennant's schedule was very limited, so he had to film it in a way that meant they could use him sparingly. And it ends up being... And it ends up being one of the best episodes of the show in a yeah. lot of people's eyes. What did yeah. you think
1: of um, the VFX actually for the episode? Because we mentioned in last, like the last episode yeah. we did, we mentioned how some of the effects don't hold up as well. This episode has 110 different VFX shots.
0: I feel like the ones that are just kind of of space and of Earth, they're obviously fake, yeah. but they their job yeah their maybe job. because you haven't actually
1: seen something like that yourself whatever yeah. the cgi and I like, like
0: and i feel like especially kind of um billy piper's performance kind of helps sell it yeah. like she looks very in awe of it yeah, and i think definitely. that helps to sell it
1: oh, yeah, definitely,
0: uh, yeah. i feel like the, i feel like the effects that don't work are the little spindly guys. The little yes. robots.
1: I noticed it really when the ball opens and they crawl out the ball. I was like oh, that just looks like a ball that's just been put there in Photoshop.
0: Yeah it's very unconvincing. Although uh-huh. one special effect which I think is really good and still today I think is impressive mm-hmm. is Cassandra.
1: Well I've I think got that like, here. I've wrote ask Carrie what he thinks of Cassandra because she costs more than anyone was willing to actually pay. I know Russell was like she
0: looks this great. Is ridiculous. She yeah. looks really good. Well I don't know if they just like superimposed a face on that or what. Yeah. But, like especially the shot where Rose goes behind her and she mm. sees like her talking. Like I don't know how they did I I couldn't say how they did that. It looks really good. It's really impressive. And like there's it... bits where you see her talking, and someone enters, and you can see the person moving around <laughs> like through her skin. Yeah, I think Cassandra looks incredible.
1: Yeah, because I know they had a problem when they were designing Cassandra because, like you say, she's trans. She's not transparent. She's translucent, where you can sort of see through, it. Yeah. opaque or whatever. You can sort of see through it, but you can't see it through all the way. But then she's got teeth and lips and a tongue, so it's almost like how do you? La- they were having problems layering it so that you would have the main skin and then you would have the lips and the teeth, but you wouldn't see the lips and the teeth through the skin because it's part of the same body. Mm. But I know, yeah, it was quite interesting watching them make it because Zoe Wanamaker, who does the... I think that's her name, Wanamaker, who does the the voice for Cassandra. they Shoot wanted
0: her face as well.
1: They, yeah, they wanted to keep as much of her performance in it as possible, and I think the only time it doesn't show is when they do a really close-up on Cassandra, and her mouth's really good and her eyes move, but there's something about the way her eyes move just doesn't look... Something about it doesn't quite sit right.
0: I didn't see that. For me, I I think I was watching on a smaller TV, Uh, uh, so it, like, some of those... Well, I can see some stuff, like a CG, the bigger CG hold up. Like I think something small like that face. For me, it looks basically perfect, as good as it would be if it was done today
1: what did you think of jabe the tree Dude. woman jabe the big the tree lady
0: i think she worked it was
1: um i feel was she was too intense decision,
0: I, it is weird that kind of she's like and i guess it isn't weird that, she, that she's flirting with the doctor i mean that's yeah. something we just have to get used to with New Who (laughs) with New Who every other woman wants to get with the Doctor
1: for whatever
0: reason that's just kind of that's just a trope of New Who Well, Um, I watched
1: an interview with Eccleston where he said it's really clear that the Doctor fancies Jabe and I was watching the episode I was sort of thinking I don't see it as the Doctor fancying Jabe I see Jabe it's so tricky saying Jabe instead of Jade Jabe fancying the Doctor I see it the other way around I think it's more clear from her side
0: yeah, that's how I read it. Yeah. Um yeah. And it's interesting, what's the one thing I'm gonna say about just kind of that I feel I'm not as so much of a fan on. I feel like there are some kind of cheap like kind of things that feel a bit too easy like story beats for me which feel a little too easy, not earned. Like the fact that she just scans him with this thing that tells yeah. her she, he's a time lord. Mm. I find that a little too easy. I feel like it would have been better to say her scanner just didn't detect who he was at all. Yeah. And that she had to figure it out through deduction. And the other thing, and this is something that's going to be like repeating throughout the show, but I really don't like, <laughs> is the psychic paper. Oh, really? I feel, like
1: really
0: the, like... I feel like the psychic paper, like certain tools that Doctor has, such as the sonic screwdriver, while sometimes some writers make it that it's a bit too of a too much of a you know yeah magic wand that can solve anything yeah I feel like for this series the screwdriver is kind of used you know as a screwdriver which is used, you know to open locks to alter tinker with machines um, whereas the psychic paper a piece of paper where you just tell someone what's on it and they believe you. I don't know. I feel like it gives the Doctor just a little too much access, yeah. a to things too easily. I think this is really just good... me. I feel like,
1: yeah, I think you... this is a really good episode for the Doctor, especially for Chris. I feel like he he does so many different emotions, especially when he has to go and tell Jabe's partner, who she came with, that she's died, yeah. and then he's instantly angry and gets Cassandra and outs her as the villain of the episode. But then he does the anger again with Rose when he's talking about the fact that he's the only one of his people left. Mm-hmm. And then even at the very start, when he's just excited to travel in time, you get like you get to see different sides of this one character. And one of my favourite bits where we see that is when we see the different aliens coming in. And he's just so excited and amazed by all these different creatures. And when he's going, I give you air from my lungs and just breathes all over. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you you totally buy it. this is a character who for hundreds. Of, oh, sorry, <laughs> this is a character. Hmm.
1: Harry's, oh, no, Harry's tell, got a few she, burps on the way. I can tell. <laughs> um, I
0: had I had a lot of soup and bread before we started. The <laughs> okay, I'm still digesting. I'm still oh, it's okay, i will let you off. Thank you. Oh, for saying. We're talking,
1: um, you were saying how uh, he's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but he's still amazed. Yeah, by...
0: that's it. Yeah, I said that you can tell that like, kind of. Well, like, you kind of buy into the fact that a doctor's a type of character who kind of, for hundreds of years, has just like gone off exploring of their own devices just because they love seeing the world and so much. Yeah, you can tell. And like they just.
1: Like, a... you... Sorry, go on.
0: Yeah, you kind of totally believe that this is a character who's spent years traveling just because they love seeing new things and meeting new people, and yes. like even with like kind of that, you can tell it's the cute thing kind of the air from his lungs that <laughs> although he's been around and kind of he knows most of every planet's history or at least he knows all of Earth's history, there's still things that where he kind of has to improvise. Like I feel kind like, like he's oh. done that
1: before. <laughs> I feel like he's been in that situation like, before. He's gone, ah, oh, crap, we're going to have to do the air from my lungs. Stick again.
0: <laughs> so I feel like, I, I just, I like it. That kind of, even though he's not, although he know he knows a lot, um, and he can sometimes be a bit cocky, a bit of a know-it-all, mm. here you see he's not, um, he doesn't always have a plan. He's not s- um, super meticulous in what he's doing. He, in a lot of it, he's just kind of being instinctive, being playful and just Mm. improvising on the spot um with the doctor's actions and i I just like that i I kind of like the idea it's very appealing the idea of kind of this person who's just jumping around to wherever and whenever
1: yeah you really get the sense that in that room when all those aliens are coming through he's just really just having a great time and i think it's really obvious when Tainted Love by Soft Cell comes on and he just starts nodding his head. He's like, yeah, I feel this. I'm really into this. Like, he really gets the groove of the room and he's like, oh, I love this. How does the Doctor know Tainted Love? How does he know that song? I feel like the Doctor's the kind of character... I'd like to think the Doctor's the
0: kind of character who really listen- likes listening to music.
1: Yeah. Especially eighties yeah. like, synth pop. He loves it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like Eccleson's Doctor, like, you know... I think it makes sense. I wonder, is that a quick thing? Do you think every doctor has different music tastes?
1: Oh, maybe, yeah. Because Capaldi's quite, um, like, he plays the guitar, like his version, doesn't he? Yeah. And then I don't really yep. know if Tennant and Smith, they don't seem to have a preference on music. We know Whittaker knows who Ed Sheeran is, but she doesn't seem to actually know who Ed Sheeran actually is. She just knows the name.
0: <laughs> maybe... Maybe the only reason that a doctor doesn't, like, have a music collection of records or tapes is because they know that as soon as they regenerate, their new incarnation will just throw all their music out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, each incarnation throws the last ones out. They just, like, put it on, like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. um... (laughs) What type of music can you imagine Tom Baker's doctor listening to, though? I can't imagine him listening to music.
0: I don't know. I feel like... I don't know, I bet someone like, I bet that, like, say, Sylvester McCoy's into some really weird experimental stuff, <laughs> like, I bet he's like, like, I bet he listens to, like, I don't know, some really high concept um stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. So, what did you think with the death of Cassandra? Because I was watching it, and I sort of thought, the Doctor has just killed Cassandra. Yeah, do
0: you think, because- like... If you think that's on him, yeah,
1: because that's he's the, so, it's always yeah, um, yeah. He teleports it's a bit her back. Yeah, no, I agree. He teleports her back and then turns the heating up, <laughs> so she dries out.
0: I mean, I guess it's a question of if you have a problem with the doctor killing people.
1: Yeah,
0: and I feel like I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, one thing this establishes is that obviously the um, Jabe dies. Trying to help him,
1: yeah,
0: but it is a question of you know, if the doctor wasn't there, a lot more people would have died, yes. Um, so I feel like the doctor kind of, although he has that burden of people die helping him, saving him, whatever, uh-huh. he he's always ultimately saves more people but he's responsible for the deaths of, yeah. And when it comes to Cassa- Cassandra, but Cassandra a different thing because that's the thing where she's died on his watch and kind of caused that to happen. Um, I mean, I'm think I'm okay with it. Yeah. I think I'm okay with the concept of doctor killing. Like,
1: I think if he well, doesn't actually, if, you know. if he doesn't go, I'm going to kill this person. <laughs> it yeah. depends, really. It's always
0: very, it's always a very indirect thing. So it's something that you don't really have to interrogate. Like, if, you know, it's very different to, like, if he'd gotten out, like, a knife and just, like, cut her up, that would be very, although, in essence, what he's done is, you know, the same, he's, he's killed her. It's not something I've really thought about.
1: Well, he doesn't, Uh, well, spoilers, but even though he thinks he's killed her, she does come back series two. I can't remember how
0: she came back.
1: I can't remember how she I comes would... back, but it when we get to that. It'll be interesting to see how that happen, how that works out.
0: Yeah.
1: So, what did I you mean... think to the, like the actual the actual style of the show? So, I think it's got a really good look. It's when I was watching it, I thought this is very two thousand Star Trek. Not being a big Star Trek fan, I've seen the odd episode of like uh, Star Trek. Not beyond. Sorry, this is this is horrific. Cause I'm now trying to juggle Star Trek knowledge, which I have Star Trek. Um, whenever, whenever, whenever Patrick Stewart did it, whatever that one was called. <laughs> um, next generation. Yeah, next generation. Yeah, it's got that sort of that sort of style to it, which I sort of think ages it a little bit. But as a whole, it's mm. because it's not set on Earth. It doesn't have to rely on current whatever was current at the time.
0: I mean, having said, he does save the world to Britney Spears' Toxic.
1: Oh, he does, doesn't he? But that's yeah. set in the future, isn't it? And they sort of think that's sort of a modern song. So I guess at the time, you sort of go, oh, this is funny. They're playing Britney Spears' is Toxic. But yeah. now I you mean, can I sort of I look like that at that
0: works works it. I because there is the whole joke that Cassandra, like, she views like, these things as historical artefacts that she gets information wrong, but, like, this is a... She thinks... a record players as an ipod yeah and i feel like the fact that though you know i feel like britney spears toxic is as much of like a song of its time as tainted love is
1: yes definitely. so i feel like
0: I, in that context i think it works i i just find it kind of funny about this you know british sci-fi show has a scene where the doctor's running around to toxic by britney spears <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's slightly strange when it came on i was like Oh, this is strange, isn't it? I like that scene there where Cassandra is bringing out all these different things, and she's just making all this stuff. Up. She brings out like a jukebox and says it's an iPod. She brings out an ostrich egg and says they had a wingspan of fifty foot and could breathe fire. I quite like that. I, f- I don't really think they do that that much afterwards, where they sort of play on the tropes of people in the future sort of losing the actual meaning of what stuff is today.
0: One thing I have to say about the episode is that for an episode called The End of the Earth and About the End of the Earth, yeah. really not that much of it is focused on the world ending. There's a lot going on in this episode, and like you kind of see at the end, Rose is like looking at the burning up earth, and she says, there's so much going on, that we missed it. Yeah. And me wonders if maybe it was a bit of a wasted potential thing. Like, did it this did this episode really need to take place at the end of the world? Like, you know, could they not have had been at some kind of gathering of aliens on a spaceship at a different event? Like, maybe yeah. the back of the end of the Earth should have been something that had more focus? Because that's yeah, an interesting
1: maybe. concept. Yeah, and they played on it a little bit with Rose's sort of, like, oh, my mother's on that planet, but she's also down there as well, and her kids if she has kids, and then they're all down there, so it's slightly strange that they didn't really play into that that much, but it, I think it's there as sort of a subplot as an emotional thread throughout the episode. Mm. This is also the first episode where there's a mention of Bad Wolf. Oh, I
0: missed it. When did they mention it's Bad It's
1: the mocks of Balhoon. He just casually mentions it.
0: Does he? Oh, he mentions
1: it to the that. face of I can't remember what he actually says. I'm trying to find it now, but I can't, I can't see it. I'm just skimming through IMDB trivia, and some of the trivia on here is just appalling. The first appearance of the face of Bo. That's not trivia. You can say that about every character in every episode of Doctor Who when they first appear. Nobody's going, this is the first appearance of the Moxa Balhoon.
0: This is the first appearance of the blue person who dies. It's also the last appearance of the blue person who dies because they're dead.
1: Apparently, this is um, the doctor because in episode one, series one, he rips the arm off an Autumn, and apparently, oh, oh, he, does, yeah. he also rips the arm off a uh, the repeated meme. Oh, yeah,
0: bizarre thing <laughs> in every episode does the doctor rip someone's arm off?
1: Well, like in Star Are Wars, we going for a Star Wars thing? yeah. So, did you have anything else to say about the episode?
0: Um. Oh really I mean yeah it's good as a continuation Um, it's a
1: very Doctor Rose episode isn't it it doesn't focus much on Rose's home
0: life uh, Yeah, that's definitely the strongest part of the episode Hmm. Um, definitely not as good as Rose but it still does its job I think as a kid I would have loved this episode you know all the weird crazy aliens and being in in the far future I feel like as a kid I would have been very captivated by the concept as a whole Yeah. Um, the stuff that works really works. The stuff between Doctor and Rose, Cassandra works great. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it's a solid, it's a solid episode. tubed um, yeah. in some areas, not so much in others. Um, yeah, I
1: definitely recommend watching the Confidential because it's quite funny watching people in two thousand and five or sorry two thousand and four talk about VFX shots that you that I could now do on my laptop, and they're going, oh, this yeah. is cutting-edge stuff, I'm having to compose, I'm having to crop Christopher Eccleston out of this, and with green screen I can put him in here, it's like, ooh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think that um, I mean, 15 years ago, it doesn't, 2005 when you say it, it doesn't sound that long ago, but it is 15 years, and
1: you look at like, fan so... films that people make now, and some of the effects on YouTube short films are better than what you see on like, yeah. if, if they were to make Cassandra now, like I know we said, it looks amazing. But if you were to make that now, it would look even better.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean it is mind-boggling just how far we've come with yeah. things like the Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, God, I think that's a good way to... I know this one was a little short of because we didn't really have as much to talk about because it's the second episode. Yeah. Last episode, we mainly talked about the rebirth of the show. But, yeah, I really like this episode. I think it was, yeah, I agree. It wasn't as good as Rose, but it's a good hook to bring people in to go, yeah. okay, we're setting out our stall. Yeah. This is what we have yeah, to Yeah, I offer. feel like
0: kids and families would have kind of watched this and seen, okay, this show has a very wide scope. There's a lot to offer. Yeah. You know? I feel like, because the next episode, I know that the third episode is then going to go to the past. So yes. I feel like having an episode in the present, an episode in the future, an episode in the past, it's just a great way of introducing to audiences this is what we can do with mm, Doctor Who. Definitely. This yeah. is what it can. Do.
1: Yeah. No, so no, I no. think
0: kind of looking at these first three episodes as a package is perhaps kind of a better way of viewing it than individually. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, totally,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, yeah. So I think they, they did that deliberately to go, okay, this is what we have to offer. Especially with all yeah. those VFX shots that they set up. It's almost like going, This is you know, this is the click not to use the word clickbait yeah. negatively, but this is sort of going, yeah. this is what you can have. This is what we're capable of.
0: And if you compare it to, you know, the level of special effects that was in the cl- in Classic Who, which was, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. um, if you're lucky, a location shot that isn't a location, that isn't a quarry, um, <laughs> maybe we'll have a couple of people in costumes. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we haven't just... reached. Purposed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Was
0: there like an alien that was like a couch or something?
1: Perhaps. It wouldn't surprise me. Or like a
0: beanbag or like. <laughs> I know that in Classic Hue there were some really shoddy things, but back in Classic Hue it was more about the concepts and the effects. Yes. Whereas here the show, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it can produce special effects which, even if they've not aged the best, are still serviceable. Like oh, 100%. Yeah. They're not going to. They're not going to alienate new viewers,
1: of course. By any means, yeah. Yeah. I think like what they did with the first episode, they did a really good job of introducing new audiences, whilst also keeping um, classic viewers, you know, satisfied as well. Mm. Cool. Well, I think we'll wrap up this one. It's been a bit shorter than the last one, but you know, not as much. There's a lot to talk about, but not as much to go in depth about, considering it's the second episode. We're already fairly familiar with. You know, how the show's going to pan out. Anything else? Anything that you haven't said that you'd like to say?
0: Um, What do you think of, of the concept? I know they didn't say it a lot. We didn't go too much into it. But the fact that reintroducing the show, they decided to destroy Gallifrey and have the Doctor be the last of the Time
1: Lords. Well, because I, I, for me, I didn't really know otherwise. I didn't know. I remember learning that the Time Lords... When always dead, I thought that was like a constant yeah, thing yeah. throughout the fifty years, and it wasn't until quite late, maybe, you know, maybe towards Matt Smith era where I sort of researched it and sort of thought, oh, right no, this is just a new Who thing that they like, killed off Gallifrey, and I quite like yeah. it. I think it gives him, uh, it gives the Doctor like a new story arc,
0: mm. and it kind of uh, I say it last week, but it kind of adds a sense, a new sense of kind of mystery around him, and the yes. like, time orders appear. Yeah, and cool. Yeah, I like it. And it's something where, as a kid, I never knew otherwise. Um, yeah,
1: and I think that's maybe something to bear in mind, especially when with new New Who, like the most modern stuff, is kids now, they won't know any different, because they'll watch Peter and Jodie, then they'll go back and watch yeah. Oh, that's real weird, though, to think that kids now watching Jodie Whitaker, they'll go... Oh, what, there was a guy before this? And then they'll watch Peter Capaldi, who was our Christopher Eccleston. So would mm. they think of Matt Smith, David Tennant, and Christopher Eccleston mm. as classic Doctor Who?
0: I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, for us, we start with Tennant. Yeah. And, so, you know, um, I guess, like, let's see, Joey's the 13th, Eccleston's the 9th. So that's going back four Doctors, is it?
1: yeah. So that's it, like watching we with Tom e- Baker.
0: Yeah, well, for us, if we start with the 10th, so if we go back for re, the sixth Doctor, we've been Colin. For kids today, Christopher Eccleston is what our Colin Baker was.
1: But I feel there was a, there was that 15-year gap, though, in between, wasn't there? Yeah. So yeah. I think maybe if we were watching Colin Baker, it would have been dated more than... Kids today watching Christopher Eccleston. Well, I know kids. Yeah. I know well, that sounds so weird. I know kids. Um, I know of kids who are watching Doctor Who, and they're they're only like seven or eight, but their favourite doctor is his favourite doctor is Christopher Eccleston.
0: Really? They've yeah, like, gone yeah. back to watch the original
1: show. Yeah, I think his parents must be fans of stuff, and he's seen them, and because I, I didn't. I, know. Think, I
0: guess it's like it's on iPlayer. Is there? a, it's a very. And because New Who is kind of seen as its own entity, kind of starting with series one, is kind of this series one is probably the best jumping on point for a new viewer, I'd say. Like there are yes. a few good jumping on points. Like there are a lot of classic Doctors where like you could start with Tree or Tom Baker. You could go back and start with an Unearthly Child and Hartnell. And <laughs> similarly, you could start with say. Matt Smith, or you could start with Jodie Whittaker. Don't start with Capaldi because I tried. Well, we'll get to it, but (laughs) um, I tried getting back into the show when Capaldi joined after like not watching the show for years, and I just had no idea what was going on. (laughs) So Capaldi is not a good jumping on point. Okay, maybe that'd be a good episode
1: to do. Maybe that'd be uh, maybe if we want to take a break from just talking about episode after episode. To actually go in and maybe review, what would be a good starting point for people who want to watch Doctor Who? Yeah,
0: I think in my mind the best starting point for anyone like today in 2020, the best starting point is probably Rose.
1: Yeah, probably. I'd yeah. say. Yeah, it's and the best. It's one of, so of the best
0: openings. Yeah, and so far I feel like series one is kind of proving that right. Kind of, we're saying kind of, they're bit by bit introducing kind of the concept of Doctor Who and what it can be. Hmm. And I feel, I can't think of another series that's done it quite as effectively as this one is.
1: Yeah, I agree. Cool. Well, I think we'll wrap that up. I think, you know, you've you've had your money's worth, which is nothing because no one's paid to listen to this. So you've definitely had your free money's worth of Doctor Who content by two guys yeah. who casually sort of know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back in a... Uh... Whenever we record again,
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's like it's the it's the eighth of August today. But when these go up, I, I don't know. I'd like to record a few before we put them up. Yeah. yeah, maybe record half of this first series.
0: Yeah, cool. Cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, we can discuss schedules once we yeah. turn off.
1: Cool. Right then. The well, um...
0: people really want to hear our behind the scenes <laughs> timetable,
1: I have nothing on until at least the end of September.
0: <laughs> i think they so, we are on holiday in a week oh lovely stuff cool
1: yeah anyway thanks for listening guys and, um, you know if you like it leave a review and subscribe and all the stuff you can do i don't Actually, really know what you do with podcasts
0: yeah where are you i was about to ask where are you gonna post this
1: <sighs> who knows <laughs> do,
0: do people, uh soundcloud do people post all of them on soundcloud YouTube? wherever wherever so
1: people be, are listening to this it's where it is,
0: and wherever you are, rate it. However, I I can't really say like hit that like button or yeah. give us a like because I don't know if <laughs> this has been put somewhere where you can like and comment. If you can like and comment, do.
1: If you can, if
0: you can't, do something that's else, that's
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'll see you. All right, well, lab. Uh, see you later, guys. Bye, bye.
0: People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff.